You're listening to the Premier Podcast Network. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Peace and good morning, world. Welcome back to Foundation Radio. My name is Adam Barnard. Today's word is nostalgia, and I dive headfirst into it with my guest, Paul Brown. One of the things that was a constant mainstay in my life as a kid was my toys. I've always had this really inventive and wild imagination, and my action figures allowed me to act out all these crazy scenarios I would make up in my head. Wrestlers fighting with the Ninja Turtles or the Ghostbusters searching for Batman, I never really had a dull moment when I was playing. And it allowed me to find time in my oftentimes unsettled childhood to just fucking relax. Paul's a huge toy collector like I am, but his collection dwarfs mine about tenfold. Seriously, I thought I was the only one who picked up obscure Star Trek The Next Generation figures, but... I wish I had the income and the space to have a collection as big as Paul's. It is enormous. It's amazing when I get to talk to people who share my love of toy collecting because only those of us who collect can share that magic moment we feel when we pick up a new toy. Paul's an amazingly creative guy who's got some seriously cool projects coming down the pipeline, including one with Kevin fucking Smith, which he reveals today on this episode, the one you're listening to right now. I'm finally able to say that I've copped an exclusive from someone, and that's never happened before. Seriously, I've been doing the show for about a year, and I've been waiting for a moment like this. I thought I would have something more meaningful to say, but I guess I don't. This can't be how Funkmaster Flex feels when he gets an exclusive. Well, friends, let's welcome Paul Brown to the show today. What's going on, dude? What's going on? How's my audio? Uh, it's good. Sounds fine. How's my? Yeah. I was deciding whether to do the the ear pods or not. I don't. I don't, <laughs> I don't fucking know. <laughs> yeah, I had to. I was just. Yeah, dude. I feel you, man. I feel you. It's just like it just never ending like pains and aches in my back. It's the shits. I, I didn't sign up for this shit for my mid thirties, man. This is like. It fucking sucks, dude. It's really terrible. Like it's really like objectively bad. Like I, I have not worked out in probably two weeks, and it's because like I don't know if I did something to my shoulder, but like mm-hmm. it's it starts like right in here, like in this area, and it just wraps like down my back into my shoulder blade, all the way down my arm, and then up my neck. And I think I slept on it wrong like two weeks ago, and I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Like why is this such a problem? Like why is this continuing to be this That's issue? Crazy. It's just insane. I did. I, I feel like I did something when we were moving everything in early August, and it is just to the left above my butt crack, right there, like in a spot like as big as a softball, just right there. And it's just like making things just difficult enough for me where I get annoyed if I lean over a certain way. I'm like, ah! 
<laughs> and then I got to come back up. And my gym just opened back up, I think, on the 8th. And yep. I saw your Instagram story thing that you went on yesterday morning. I had the same thing, dude. I walked into the gym and they limit like 25 people in my gym now. And I walked in and I, I, I go in, take the yep. temperature when I walk in, do the thing, and here we go. And then like I look around and old dudes walking around like this. Yep. And then there's another one walking around like this. And then yep. there's another one fucking walking around like, like this. And then I look and the trainer who owns the building is training someone. Neither of them have masks on. Oh my God, dude. I'm like, it's <laughs> like your brain starts to malfunction at a certain point. Like I swear to God, like it, and it's, I can, it sucks because I can totally tell that the dude who owns a gym is kind of like an anti-masker. Right. Like, right. I know that he's definitely doing things and putting stuff like his signs and things like that on the front of the gym for like negligence, like no political talk in the gym and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, and I'm, and like, I went, I was like, I am the only one who regularly wears a mask in there and it drives me fucking like, I want to cancel my, like my membership just to prove a point. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I didn't get to go to a gym for six fucking months and I finally built my home gym. And then I start, I, I finally build my home gym for the most part. And then my gym opens up and I just haven't used my home gym. And Jen's like, I don't know what's going on with the home gym. I'm like, let me do my thing in the real gym first. And then I'll get back <laughs> to that. And I walk into the gym and then I see all this, this, Okay, nonsense. <laughs> this 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 uh this rumpus time bullshit yeah it's yeah. like what fucks me up is like and that's what, like what what i was saying yesterday i guess it was yesterday the day before on my instagram story it was like i have this is the second time that i've gone back to the gym so like i've been doing the home workouts but they just you know like it, it hasn't really been hitting all that well right it like it doesn't hit it hits different it does. And it really does. And it's the truth. And I know it sounds ridiculous, but it, it, it's the truth. And so the gym finally opened up. I was like, great. I can't wait to go back. Like I've lost 65 pounds. I'm ready to go. Like I'm ready to rock and roll, do this again. And I get back there and I'm there the first day and somebody's got like this shit, right? With the, the mask under the nose, right? So that fuck, so I'm already pissed off. Like whatever, at least like, at least I can deal with that. Like it's not as bad as somebody with down here, but it's still pretty stupid, right? Yeah. So then this old guy walks in and he gets on the Stairmaster and he just pulls his mask off. He just takes it off and is staring at me while I'm like, I'm using like the leg press or something. He's just staring at me and I'm just like, dude, put your fucking mask on. Yeah. This is the first time, right? I get in there yesterday. I go back in and I get I'm ready to go. I'm ready to, to get everything done and I'm ready to, to, to start working out. And I walk in and these dudes are just, no one's wearing, like two guys are just not wearing a mask. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not doing this. I'm not risking my safety or the safety of my kids or my family or anybody else because you assholes don't want to wear the mask and you don't want to follow the rules. Not to mention yeah. the fact after the first time I reached out to the owner of the gym I sent him a message on Facebook and I was like, my safety should not be, you know, for lack of a better word, trumped by the fact that somebody is feeling political about this. I emailed him and I'm like, listen, like this is not okay. Like I, I don't know what to do. I'm just letting you know. And he called me and he was like flipping the fuck out. He was like, I, and basically was like, I'm ready to close my gym down. I'm ready to sh shut this whole thing the fuck down until this is done because I can't deal with people acting like this. Like I can't, I don't know what to do anymore to get people to wear their masks and do the things that they're supposed to do. It's like, I just can't do it. I, I, I don't want to do this anymore. And he's like, I'm tired of fighting with people. He's like, I have grown men lying to me. He's like, I have you on film. I can see yeah. you. I can, you know, I just don't, I don't know what to do now. So my ancient dog just woke up because she hears the, she hears the blinds coming down and she automatically, right. it's 10 you go, 10 you go home, dad. Um, <laughs> I actually, I like, 
I had to cancel on like one or two people today because I totally and completely fucked up my schedule. Oh no. I had a, I had a buddy I'm showing him. I was supposed to show him his, uh, he has a painting and cleaning company. I'm showing him his website. He did all my shit in here. He, you know, helped paint my house and stuff like that. He's amazing at what he does. And he was supposed to come check out the first draft of his website that I'm building for him. I completely fucking space. I have a oh, wedding no. to go to later today. Um, like a very small, like couple friends, stuff like that type wedding. I had yeah. to squeeze in a last minute fucking haircut, dude. Like, Oh my I'm God, like, man. Ugh. And I got another friend of mine who it's a guy who like followed me from my old YouTube channel who I'd never actually met. Right. And, um, he asked me to go on his video podcast on Sunday night. And I'm like, <laughs> the life of Paul Brown just never ends. Right. It just never calms down. It's my fault. It's nobody's fault but mine. I enjoy talking to people. I enjoy meeting new people. And that gets me into really shitty uh, scheduling problems sometimes. So I'm, it's, I'm, it's nobody's fault but my own. I'm with you on that one, man. It's funny. That's, it's actually, it's funny. I love, I love like the sort of the randomness of how we met at a SmackDown taping in right. Philadelphia, which is like yeah. uh, totally random, right? Like I just, that's like the story of my life though, is that like, I just, I get into situations where I like, I sit down somewhere like at, like at ball games all the time. When I would go to the Phillies games, I would just meet people and I would just chat with them and then they end up becoming like homies, you know? But like with us, it was just like, I, I don't know. So, so it was Rhea Ripley that really started the conversation for us, right? Like you guys weren't there early. You guys came like maybe, I don't know. It was like a, maybe 20 minutes into the show. And then of course our girl Rhea Ripley, I, her character development has been fascinating because she just continues to get scarier. Yes. Which is, <laughs> which is ridiculous. Like, I, I, I mean, good for her. I mean, I think she definitely thinks she's one of those different, uh, superstars that has something to offer outside of, you know, just when I'm a guy in this type of world, like it's weird. And I was looking back on it kind of like, you know, how we were talking about the WWF Hasbro's, not yeah. that, uh, last week about how I, I really miss the old days of truly themed wrestling superstars. Like this guy is a man who wrestles gators in the swamps. These guys are, um, you know, uh, a couple of Australian wildlife wranglers. This dude here is from three mile Island and is literally nuclear yeah. walking around, <laughs> you know? And it's like, yeah, I get it. That every, yeah. I, I get it that everyone's like, oh, kayfabe is dead or this and that. And I get that. But it's like, man, I hate being one of those guys that just says I miss the way things were. But right. I think that she's one of those female superstars that really kind of like embodies that kayfabe life. Like, oh, I'm an evil person with weird colored eyes, which is cool. In, in, That's cool. In my, it's different. In my point. I think it's, I think I agree with you because it's like, you know, as I wear my Hulkamania t-shirt, which is another, we'll get to Hogan in a second, but like I, as a kid, like I remember seeing all of those like larger than life characters, right? Like you mentioned Skinner and you mentioned Adam bomb and you know, like the Bushwhackers and all these like Coco beware, all these really wild outrageous people. Yeah. And you know, I've, I listened to, I'm a big fan of Eric Bischoff's podcast and I listened to like how he just did something. I think it was fall brawl 95 and they were talking about um, Hogan versus the dungeon of doom and how ridiculous the dungeon of doom was. And it was like, but that was kind of like time, like at the time it was time appropriate. Right? right. Then you had the NWO that showed up and I feel like there's been just such a, I think I feel like it's almost like, and maybe you agree with this, but like I feel like since the NWO happened, everybody's been just trying to copy that model and that motifs for like twenty some years, and they do different variations of it, like with Retribution now, which I'm kind of 
not really thrilled with how they've been rolling it out, but like it's, it's, I feel like they're relying way too much on the realism aspect of it and not just like, like the fiend, right? Like take a character like the fiend Bray Wyatt. That guy is like, he's supernatural, but there's also an element of realism to that. I feel like if, if they were, and that's why I felt like the, the, um, the, the storyline that they did with Braun Strowman recently was so good because if they're able to take this narrative and right. make it sort of like almost just just wild enough to be outrageous but just real enough to be true, I feel like they could have a lot of success with it. But I, I, I what do you think is like their biggie, biggest Achilles heel right now as far as like creative? Because you, I know we'll get into it too, but like what, what would you say as, a, as someone who's a creative guy? Um, I think... The problem is, is that with the advent of social media, there, there really is no ability to keep the fantasy as real as you wanted to, regardless of how hard you try, these people are going to have real Twitter accounts are going to have real Instagram accounts that show them. And I think that again, I think it was you know, more so back in the day when there was no other outlets as far as social media goes or anything like that. Um, I think that the problem is, is they're just there. Everything is now kind of getting jumbled together and SmackDown raw and NXT all have the same stables, but different people doing them. There's that I have, I have been vehemently against personally the brand split since the day it happened. I think Agreed. That the brand Agreed. split limited their ability to have run-ins or this team taken over, you know, blah, 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 blah. I like the idea of Team Raw, Team SmackDown and stuff like that, or they, they are where they are, but having like the official brand split where there were dedicated pay-per-views to each show that like I I've hated that since the, since the very beginning. And I've been very vocal about that, but I'm not one of those um, complain about wrestling all the time. People I'm really, right, not. Right. I really try to be not uh, try to not be. And I think that right now with creative struggles with keeping up with the times, I think that they try to do like almost like, Steve Buscemi, how do you do fellow kids uh, style yeah. <laughs> stables and personas and stuff like that. And I hate bringing it up, but like the, the last real explosive type of personality that blew the lid off of things, in my opinion, was CM Punk. Uh, now, but I also, this comes from the same guy. I can't stand here in the CM Punk chance. And right. it's right. still annoying to me, at least personally, that nobody can speak who's a heel without hearing what? What, what, like, yes, there is fan, you got to have fan, uh, fun fan interaction. And I feel that wrestling has definitely taken a hit, uh, for me in an exciting way without the live audiences. I do think that the, uh, the interactive arena is a little bit better. It's better than nothing. Um, but it's akin to the NFL piping in the sound of the crowd. And things like right. that. Go birds, by the way. Um, <laughs> it's it's tough because this whole thing that's happened with this, you know, pandemic has completely changed the paradigm for anything live. Somehow WWE managed to squeak through and still do it pretty much the entire time. Money. I feel like um, I feel like I f- yeah. Well, money. Yeah. I mean, I, I was reading something where I, I was listening to something the other day that said that WWE and the UFC are the only two still profitable sports like franchises or whatever you want to call it sports uh are 
avenues right now still in COVID. They still remained profitable. So I really, and, and people don't really know this and not to sidetrack, not to, not to get into the weeds, but like Vince McMahon, a lot of that technology, the camera work that the NFL uses right now, mm-hmm. Vince McMahon developed all that, like the, the, the moving camera on the, on the field. That was his design. Yep. So a lot of that stuff. So like when I see something like the Thunderdome, I'm like, of course Vince McMahon thought of this. This is fucking brilliant. You know what I mean? Like, and you have to give credit where credit's due. I know a lot of people like to shit on Vince and that, you know, some things are rightfully so, but like, at least he had the foresight to be like, well, what can we do to try to make this as interactive as possible and and still make it entertaining? I fucking love, I loved the cinematic matches. I think the, and I, and I, I know there's a segment of people who love the Boneyard match more than the Funhouse match, but honestly, all around psychology, all around storyline, that that the, the three part arc that they talk about the drama, the Funhouse match had it in, in like hand over fist. I thought that that was the match of WrestleMania for me because the storyline paid off so well, and also incorporating you know like the fact that you see John Cena in the fucking NWO and WCW, you know, and like the there's so much subtext to all of that. Like yeah. as a fan that's been a wrestling fan since I was four. I appreciated all of those nods to those things, you know, like the Saturday night, Saturday night's main event and, you know, the Roddy Piper entrance, all that shit. Like it was, it was something where it felt like it wasn't, it didn't feel like fan service, which I feel like is a lot of time what we get as fans because, you know, did they give us the Roman Reigns heel turn with Paul Heyman? And, you know, they give us this, uh, you know, Otis winning money in the bank, which, which they feel great when it happens, Mm -hmm. but it also feels like, fan service, right? Like they're just doing it to advance it for a little bit and then they're going to go back to the way they were. And it's like, I didn't feel like that at all. And I, I don't know if you felt like that either, but. That, that for me is tough. Cause I mean, there's, there's all, there's never been a good balance between what the people want and what Vince wants fan service, no fan service. Cause it's, they do too much and it's pandering. They don't do enough. And Vince isn't listening to the fans. And I think that that's a big part of the toxic fandom that wrestling has, whether it be guys literally stalking female wrestlers, whether it be, you know, dudes calling out other guys, you know, calling out wrestlers for not looking like they're in shape when in reality, that dude making that comment from his mom's basement on Twitter can't do three push-ups, like that sort of thing. I feel like it's super difficult to have that balance. And I, you know, you got to give props to, you know, Matt Cardona, Zack Ryder, whatever you want to call him. He really was the reason why WWE uh, learned and got on the social media world because he had the internet championship. He was doing his thing. He was on social media basically before anyone in the wrestling world. And look at what it did for him. You know, he's growing ever so exponentially now post WWE coming into AEW, getting his own figures and stuff like that. And I think it's always kind of been in a sense, WWE has trailblazed a lot of things, but I think that once things started progressing so quickly with technology and social media, no matter how much they tried to catch up, you have to take a look at it is that the head of the company is a 70 plus year old man, old white Republican guy who's rich as shit as much as he's going to try and pretend like he knows what average Joe really is, even though Vince McMahon didn't necessarily come from privilege, he comes from the Mm -hmm. trailer parks, you know, didn't have a whole lot to his name. He's lived that life of 
access and privilege since he was a kid, right? right. So he's trying right. to bring things in. You're still getting, you know, the the ethnic wrestlers that really ridiculously push their ethnicity and stuff mm-hmm. like that. You know, Muhammad Hassan. Yeah, Jesus yeah, Christ. Exactly. You know, uh, Tajiri. You know, all yep. the, you know, all you know, uh, uh, all these other people who are super ethnic, and then you have the Hulk Hogan-like white guy character that is trying to carry the company, whether it be right. John Cena, whether it be a face version of Seth Rollins, or whether it be a whitewashed, almost, I hate to say whitewashed version of Roman Reigns, where they play down his, you know, his his roots, you know, and it, it's tough because it's like, I've been, you know, I've been a wrestling fan for easily 30 years now, but in, in the past six months or so, I don't know, I don't want to say my interest has waned, but life has been busy, the world is upside down, and I feel like, a lot of it just kind of got lost in the shuffle with me. You know, um, I, I, thr- I love watching live wrestling with audiences and, you know, uh, this, this whole new normal that we have uh, right now combined with what I, I, I just, I wasn't feeling a lot of the main roster stars at the moment. And maybe it is the old school in me that has a hard time with, you know, classic superstars not being around anymore. I don't know. Right. But and that, I, I think, yeah. good. No, I said there was, there was a, there was a good period for me where I just, I, I don't think I watched WWE probably between like, I probably took close to a five-year break. Yeah, because like, it was like for me, like right around the time the invasion like kind of like petered out, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, Hogan comes in, they do the NWO, and then when Goldberg was there, I just – at a certain point, it felt like it was almost like a drop ball, right? Because I feel like – and again, it's easy for us to Monday morning quarterback for guys who've never like been in the industry, right? And, and I don't want to be those – I don't want to be one of those kind of guys either that's like, oh, well, Vince should have done this and Bischoff should do that and Heyman and like – I don't fucking know shit. I'm just a guy that loves wrestling. But like, I feel like there was such an opportunity for Vince to keep the WCW brand separate mm-hmm. and expand it and really legitimately create his own competition, right? Like if that were me, I would have been like, I'm going to keep WCW completely separate from WWE and right. even maybe perhaps like make ECW a component of this. But like, that would be amazing for things that like WrestleMania, right? Like where you have like sort of with the Raw and SmackDown thing, you have two completely separate brands that do not interact. And the only time they interact is during the biggest show of the year, right? WrestleMania, WCW, WWE, you know, like there, mm-hmm. there were so many different ways they could have gone about it. But yeah, I mean, I took a break for quite some time. I mean, I, I, I remember really getting back into it probably in like 2009, maybe 2008. We sat front row at the, uh, what was the name of that paper? It was a clash of champions, night of champions. I think it was, it was when yeah. Jeff Hardy beat CM Punk for the world title. Um, okay. and, uh, yeah, I mean, that's when I really started to get back into it, but I do, I feel like it's the same way for me. Like, I feel like I had this expectation of, of wrestling and like the old heads coming back and the, and the guys, you know, like stone cold or, or being another stone cold and, and having another Hulk Hogan or the rock. Like it's just, they're, they're, it feels like they've gone almost too far with the social media and like the quick, like blips with things. Does that make sense? Like where it's like they, they, they went too far to the right with, um, the, uh, the, the quickness and, and the storylines moving from week to week to week. And it's like, no, nothing's marinating, right? Retribution is marinating, but, I'm not invested in this storyline at all because there's nothing to make me invested in this, right? Roman Reigns, um, the heel turn, I'm way more interested in seeing where that goes with Paul Heyman than I am 
with retribution. It's because nothing is keeping me captivated. So what do you think, like, what do you think that, that Vince could do to sort of like steer the ship and get people like us, the older fans back into, you know, really being invested in, and making it worth our while to watch? Well, I think, I think it comes down to, um, like we talked about fan service earlier is you have to understand that fan service means fans. And there are fans of WWE who are six years old and 60 years old. I always loved my, some of my favorite pops were when shit would get out of control and Sergeant Slaughter would run out from the back in a suit to break things up. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. or, you know, um, or uh, Pat Patterson or Arn Anderson or someone mm-hmm. like that. You know what I mean? It's like, what I love about it is, I think that for me, what happens is when all I'm seeing is new people who I don't really know carrying everything, I get it. The torch has to be passed. I completely understand. However, I've always felt that wrestling has had its strength in a mix of new and old. So that's why edge coming back, you know, uh, a little while ago was pretty awesome. The rooms about the rock facing Roman Reigns at WrestleMania are pretty awesome because I think that as long as you're continually bridging that gap and never forgetting your heyday, keep all the old guys around. People don't realize that Mike Rotunda is still employed by the WWE and still on the day to day runs the live event shows. Like I'm very, very close with someone who for years ran every single Northeast event in WWE. He was a live events marketing manager who traveled with the show throughout the Northeast. He worked at corporate headquarters. And then when it was elsewhere in the world, he would do press tours and press junkets with the superstars. So his direct working relationship was like with Mike Rotunda. And Mm -hmm. then every night at the end of the show, he would send Paul Levesque, his numbers email. So his direct boss was Triple H. And, you know, I used to hear some of the things he used to talk about behind the scenes, you know, about how the the old school guys love this guy or they hated this new guy. I love the fact that knowing that there are a bunch of old Hall of Famers that still rumble around behind the scenes of all the shows and they're trying to, you know, cater the talent. I, I love that people don't realize that Bray Wyatt and Bo Dallas are IRS's kids. Right, you know, right. and I bring up that fact to people, and they're like, "What?" And I'm like, "Yeah, Holy this shit, yeah, generations coming, even down the whole Orton line and everything like that." And then mm-hmm. the Samoan Dynasty, and I was in my mid twenties when I didn't had any when I when I realized that Yokozuna wasn't fucking Japanese. Like, <laughs> right? You're like, wait, what? Yeah, it's the yeah. mysticism around it, and I think that the problem is is it's never going to go back to the way it was with kayfabe. But I personally would love. I would love to see WWE institute some type of kayfabe policy where if someone wants to be a character in WWE, they need to have a separate social media page that is dedicated solely to their kayfabe character. And then they get to have their personal accounts and let people go back and forth with following either one. And it might be a lot to ask and I get it, but I feel that this is a way that wrestling could adapt like, I know uh, Andy from The Butcher and the Blade as Andy from Every Time I Die. But now right. he's in The Butcher and the Blade, and I would love to see those things completely separated there. I know it's right. a big ask, and I get it, but rather than me being one of those guys in his mid-30s that's like, wrestling isn't the same as it was, <laughs> I feel like if you don't have a solution to offer that's realistic, you shouldn't open your fucking mouth. And the problem right. is, is a lot of people 
who shouldn't have opinions voice their opinions just because they have a Twitter handle. Right. I personally right. don't think that people who contribute nothing should get any say in anything. That's that's call me call me what you will, but I feel like if you contribute nothing to the world, contribute nothing to society, and you're just one of those internet complainers, you should probably ju- you should just shut the fuck up and enjoy it. Right. Just sit down and be quiet. It's like it's and that's and the why last- I don't like complaining. Because I'm nobody. I realize that I'm right. fucking nobody. So I don't like to complain. So I like to live in the lore and I like to live in the fascination of social media. I don't like to, I belong to like a couple back to the future groups, right? Mm. And back to the future is my favorite thing of all time ever in pop culture. You have back to the future, 80s and 90s wrestling, comics, you know, goes down the line. But like back to the future is the penultimate for me, right? And one of the worst right. things I see in any of these groups is people just sitting there complaining about how this isn't realistic with Back to the Future. Well, technically, there were two DeLoreans in 1885. Who gives a shit? fucking ruining it. You are ruining it. It's meant to be fantasy. It's meant to be right. science fiction fantasy. Leave it the fuck alone. Same thing goes with wrestling. I love the days of Jerry the King Lawler. I love the days of, you know, Ultimate Warrior, Parts Unknown, Undertaker, Death Valley. That's my heyday. Those are the guys that I have tattooed all up and down my fucking arms. And it's, I feel like social media has given a peek behind every curtain in the world. I think that some type of fantasy should be kept within wrestling and they should consider letting superstars have their persona, social media, and their personal social media. I think that that could institute some type of normalcy in fantasy if it could. Because for me, the turnover, it just seemed like maybe I was not paying attention. The turnover seemed like it was too quick with all these new people after the brand split because then they had to – then they had to fill the spot. So they were, oh, right. take this person, take that person, take this person. I hated New Day when they first came up. And I love New Day from like 2017 or 2018 to like yeah. recently, you know? Yeah. So it's like, I'm back and forth. I get it. I'm not fully consistent on that sort of stuff. But from someone who has been following wrestling for 30 years, who will also be having his first kid within the next few weeks, who plans to get his kid into wrestling, I want to see the best for it. And I see that there are a lot of things wrong with wrestling. And I think that it's wrong and total bullshit that wrestlers are not employees and they can't get health benefits and they can't use their monikers. I think that whole thing is bullshit. But I also see some of the reasoning behind it with Vince to protect the brand. Because that's all it is. Vince realizes that if he doesn't have brand, he doesn't have a product. And if he doesn't have a product, his empire crashes. But his empire could crash sooner than later if he doesn't really get with the whole, like, listen, you got to give these people some type of leniency things. Right. Maybe I'm wrong. I I don't know. I can say myself too. I think the other thing too is, and you said you'd mentioned about like the complaining aspect. I think there's a difference between like critiquing something that you love, right? Like we can have a seriously nuanced conversation about Hulk Hogan as the character and Terry Bollea, the person. Sure. And, you know, cause I know you put that post up uh, recently uh, about Hulk Hogan's birthday. And I thought it was very, I thought it was, I think that's something that people struggle with a lot of times too, is the, the context of things and, and nuance and, and subtlety because Hulk Hogan, what Hulk Hogan, at least for me too, represents the character is not what Terry Bollea is as the individual. And it comes back to that question of like, you know, how do you separate the art from the artist, you know, and like with, with somebody like Dr. Dre or somebody like Hulk Hogan, like where they have these really, you know, uh, Dr. Dre is my favorite 
producer of all time. I, I will yeah. listen to anything Dr. Dre puts out, but I know that he has a very troublesome past with domestic violence. And for me, it's like, how do I justify, how do I make these two worlds coexist? And it's, it's, it's increasingly difficult these days. But I thought that your post was great where it's like, listen, I'm not defending what this man is saying. I'm just telling you that what this man meant to me as a kid. So I think in those regards, I think it's, I think it's a difference between, in, in this context rather, I think there's a difference between a critiquing and having a, a, an actual critique based upon knowledge that you've gained as a fan and as an individual right. comparative to some neckbeard in his basement screaming about how Mandy Rose isn't hot enough or, you know, what, or this fucking guy that tried to stab Sonia Deville at her house. Yeah. And I think there's, I think there's a huge difference and there's, there's, that's, that's a totally separate argument, but I, I forget sometimes too, like as a dad, like one of the coolest things for me is being able to share the love of pro wrestling with my kids. I mean, you know, my son's two favorite wrestlers, my oldest son, James, his two favorite wrestlers are Goldberg and the fiend and watching that, you know, like I, uh, the Saudi Arabian thing is it, it, the, with the politics and everything behind it, it's a little, again, a troublesome, but like a bucket of weird. that's so, so many conversations you can have about that. But like, the fact that Goldberg and the Fiend wrestled together, like that was James's like his dream come true. You know, he was like, Holy shit, I never thought I would see this. And then I remember it takes me a second to sit and remember, and I'm just like, this shit really is for the kids, right? Like this isn't, you know, he's paying fan service, but it's fan service to the kids. And what kid wouldn't want to see somebody like Goldberg, the way they hype him up, go up against somebody like the Fiend. And I, and then I get it. But um, but I also I I uh, I wanted to ask you because I saw this on your social media. And I'm not sure sort of just to transition into another topic because I do want to talk about culture pop and, and some of the things that you're getting into. Um, please tell me what you're doing with Kevin Smith right now because I need to know and I have so many questions. How cool was he in person? And was it just like, were you like me? when you meet those kinds of people where you just like clam up for a second and you're just like, you ever seen community where, where Donald Glover meets LeVar mm -hmm. Burton and he just sits there all wide eyed and shit. Yeah. And you're just like staring while he's talking. Is that pretty much what happened? Uh, no, actually it's weird. <laughs> well, it's weird because, okay. I was first introduced to the viewers universe when I was 12 years old. I watched okay. clerk on VHS and I shit you not. I immediately went, wanted to go out and I bought a pair of combat boots, tucked my jeans into them and started wearing a flannel around my waist, you know, not having any fucking clue what was going on. I've actually been very <laughs> close with Brian O'Halloran and Ernie O'Donnell for about six or seven years. I originally met them when I used to help run a horror con down here in Atlantic City called Bizarre AC. And for the first ever event that we had, we had uh, four cast members from Clerks, obviously minus the big two. And it became tight with all of them. Um, I still keep in contact with them regularly to this day. Uh, I'm building Brian O'Halloran's new website for him as we speak. Um, finishing that up this week. And um, the reason I've been able to keep so close to them is just because I've never treated them any way except besides human beings. Um, right, right. I've never once asked or cared about them calling in a favor for me with Kevin. Uh, I've never asked, hey, if you see Kevin, can you blah, 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 blank, blah, 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 here and there. Never, because I, I've never cared. I figured if I was ever going to actually meet Kevin Smith, it needed to be organic. And if it was meant to be, it was meant to be. So exactly. fast forward to uh, four or five years ago, uh, me and my now ex-wife were on an episode of Comic Book Men. Um, we were on season five, episode nine, of comic book men, I sold my flux capacitor signed by Christopher Lloyd to the secret stash. 
So I had already known Brian and Ernie, and I actually knew Robert Bruce pretty well, the older guy with the dreadlocks that would come in yep. and, and uh, um, estimate things every now and then. We applied. We got it. We were there. Kevin obviously wasn't there, but I was always still close with the other people. So that helped a little bit get me closer there. And then I, provi- I provided a voiceover part in Kevin Smith's biopic, uh, Shooting Clerks. So there's a scene when uh, Ernie O'Donnell is a cop in the biopic and he's talking on the radio with another cop. That's me on the other line. So No shit. So I have a voiceover credit in the Viewersk universe. I've been on an episode of Comic Book Men. Uh, Ernie O'Donnell and I joke around all the time and I made him promise to let me, if if there is a role in Clerks 3 where uh, Rick Darris has a son, I get to play Rick Darris. (laughs) So I bust his ball because I'm like, listen, I know you're Rick Darris, but I can actually beat you up in real life, so I got to play your son. And it's just been a ball-busting thing. So months and months ago, Ernie approached me about the Smod Castle um, being resurrected, but now in New Jersey. Um, And it came down to negotiations, and me, my company, we are going to be building out the Smod Castle website. So my company got, we got the okay, send in the proposal. I offered to bring back the movie poop shoot message boards and everything like that. Um, And go, and it coincided that Kevin approved the proposal and said yes. And Ernie wanted me to meet Kevin to talk with him face to face. So my purpose of going up to the quick stop in the Smod Castle or what will be the Smod Castle was for a preview tour and to talk to Kevin personally. And when I brought up the whole, but you know, but you know, mess around, uh, when I brought up the whole um, bring back the movie poop shoot message boards thing, his eyes lit up and he goes, he did his finger thing. He goes, yes, absolutely. We're going to do that. You know, And it was nice because it was so organic. Kevin saw me walking around with Ernie, walking around with Brian in the Smod Castle when no one else was in there. Um, and I think it really put him at ease. And uh, when we were walking up and Kevin was walking in, I was like, Kevin, this is Paul, the web guy. And he goes, oh, you're Paul. And I'm like, yeah. And um, he was just like, oh, cool, man. Yeah, we really got to talk, dude. I I can't help it because that's just how it seems like he is. And (laughs) throughout the morning, throughout the entire morning, not only did they basically kind of side hire me to be security for that entire event because they invited Kevin's that Kevin Smith fan club to come check out the Smod Castle. I've got a couple pictures in there, but we're not allowed to post them on social media. But throughout the morning, I'm just chatting with Kevin, BSing with him and da, 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 stuff like that. And then Kevin was supposed to leave to go to the airport because he was already running late. We go back in the Smod Castle. Me, Brian, and Ernie are chatting about the future and what we can do and how I'm going to build out this website to host events, venue rental, ticket sales, merch sales, podcast streaming, and all that sort of stuff. And then I go out front because I was going to go to the quick stop for a drink and a snack for my drive home. And there's Kevin out front all alone taking pictures and chatting with people out front. And I walk up. I'm like, Kevin, are you fucking kidding me? And he goes, dude, I can't help it, man. I'm going to miss my flight. I was like, dude, your flight left like 45 minutes. He goes, yeah, I'll catch the next one. It's fine. And then finally we're sitting there talking. I'm like, you know what? I, I finally, like after all these times of being near you, being in the same room, just missing you and stuff like that, I was like, can I get a picture, dude? Because I think this is really awesome. And he's like, yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely, definitely. You know, we get the picture together. It gives me elbow. goes, dude, thank you so much for your vision with the site. I'm really excited to see what you come up with. I'm like, oh. <laughs> and I do my best. It's fine. Not, Nothing's wrong. Everything's, everything's fine. Everything's, everything's fine. fine. I do my best to like not mark out and freak out. Right. Um, when it comes to meeting people of note, I hate using the term celebrities. Um, but I get attached to the people that 
I feel had a, a major influence on me as a kid. Obviously, the character of Hulk Hogan with the, you know, say your prayers, train, you know, uh, eat your vitamins and stuff like that, be a good human being, knowing that he, you know, had more make-a-wishes than anyone up to that point in history. And then Kevin Smith for, you know, always being Jersey, bringing Jersey back to Jersey. So for me, that was just a huge day. I haven't talked about it publicly anywhere, but yeah, I'm going to be building, handling, and running the Smodcastle website when it launches in Jersey. That's amazing. Do you have an estimated timeline as to when that's going to, to take place or is that just like, um, right is, it now, COVID, every, is it COVID related because everything's kind of fucked up? Yeah, yeah, I'm building the website, but the actual launch and opening of the Smodcastle is all completely COVID related. Yeah. Well, that's exciting though, man. That's, that's like, it's, and you know, to, to, to go back to what you were saying before too, about like treating people like they're a human. I, I tend to, I used to like kind of a long time ago, I used to kind of like you know, get really like starstruck or whatever, but you know, I, and I never call in favors either because we seem to kind of, in a lot of ways, like we have some mutual friends and like you were at the Hogan and Flair event in Atlantic city. I was there. Like we've always seen to kind of in this weird way, like have this like like just miss each other. And then all of a sudden we end up at SmackDown together. But um, that was like the only time where I ever like actually called in a favor. And it's because I saved Brandon Novak's life, which is a whole nother story and you know, 60 roof or uh, 60 volumes and shit, but it's a whole mm-hmm. thing. But um, I, I, that's the same thing. People ask me the, all the time, like, well, you know, meeting this person, meeting that person. It's just like, they're just people, right? Like we, people just attach this label to someone who's notable or someone who's, you know, quote unquote celebrity or whatever it is. And it's like, at the end of the day, these guys put their shoes on, the exact same way the rest of us do. They just happened to have a really creative idea and ended up getting really famous for it. And that's, you know, like, like hanging out with Bam Margera, it was like watching these people just trip over themselves to try to be around this guy. And it's like, this guy is a mess. Like if you knew what was going on in his life, like you would not think this. And it's just like, he's just a normal guy. He just wants to be treated as a normal human being. And I think that's what helps guys like us set aside from, from other people where it's like, it's just that it's like you said, it's organic, it's natural. Right. And I think that's, right. uh, that's real. That's a really exciting thing though, to be a part of, to be so close to it for such a long time and now being a part of it. Like that's, that's, that's really awesome, man. And it's over the years. Like I said, I've, I've met other people and stuff like that. Obviously, you know, when there was a big uh, uh, event down here in Atlantic city, a couple of years ago, I got to work. I, I got to work with sting and Goldberg all day. Wow. Like, I just hung out with them all day. And I was at their table watching over them. And I was only there because my friend was running the event. I wanted to help him out. And um, I got I ran the social media for the event for the day as a courtesy to him. And he asked me what I wanted. I said, put me in Goldberg and Sting's room. So I did that, hung out with them all day, chatted, BS with them. I got to walk Goldberg to his table like one of the security guards on the walk out <laughs> to the ring or something like that. Um, that's awesome, and that, man. And that's how I ended up meeting a, uh, who's, a guy who's a good friend of mine now, Lou. Uh, he goes by the Meadowlands Monster. He's a New Jersey wrestler. He's seven foot tall, does the top rope walk with the hand. Oh, no shit. Like that's crazy. Did. And I met him through there. And then when Goldberg was leaving that day, he thought his car was going to be late. And I walked him down to the lobby and made sure that no one messed with him. And I told him, I was like, Bill, I was like, if your Uber's late getting to Philly, you need to catch it. I was like, I can get us to Philly in 50 minutes. He goes, really? I was like, yup. He goes, all right, I might call you up for that. And just as we were about to hop in my car, the Uber comes around the corner. He gives me a big hug. <laughs> he goes, thanks, brother. really appreciate all your help today. Boom. And it's just like when you yeah. meet someone like that, you have to understand is what they hear all day, day in and day out is, oh, my God, you this. Oh, my God, you that. Oh, my God, you this. Oh, my God, you that. Right. And me being a nobody, I am an absolute nobody. I have heard people say that to me because of my old YouTube channel with, oh, my right. God, you got me into this. You mean, and, I, and 
it's, it's awkward. It's weird. Cause I don't know how to take compliments and a lot of other people are like that. So I have found the true secret sauce to meeting someone like that. If you're not paying $500 for a meet and greet is to literally just chat with them. Like they're a human being and yep. immediately yep. puts them off. They're like thrown off guard and they're like, wait, what this? And then you end up having a memorable interaction with someone because you're not shoving a Funko pop in their face, getting them to sign it. Sign it. Yep. That's yep. the, that's the magic secret sauce. So it's uh, luckily it's played well for me. And shout out to front of the show, Bill Goldberg too. He's actually James is one of like James's friends, which is just like insane. Like, like for ex- me, I got one experience from it with him and, and it's, I, it's amazing and it's great. And my dream was to one day be allowed to be one of those security guys that knocks on the door. And that's all I've ever wanted. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Like all I've ever wanted yep. in life. And I got to do it at an event for him, making sure he got from the locker room over to his table good enough for me. I even had his theme playing real low on my phone as I was walking <laughs> and no one could hear it just to hear it. <laughs> just, and, just to do it. That's great, man. I'm looking at blue and I'm like, mm. like, <laughs> and it was great because there's that part of me that will literally always be a kid and I'll never be able to grow up in a full sense. You, you can't, I mean, you can't like, that's the way I am too. Again, it's like, I like getting that notification on my phone. You know, we, we, uh, I share this with you. That's how I ended up at SmackDown was, was Goldberg gave my son tickets to the, the show because of a bullying issue. And I got that notification on my phone. Goldberg followed you back. And literally I just stopped and I was just like, I'm sorry, what? And then up to like Goldberg sending you a message like, what the fuck is going on? You know, it's just, it's crazy. You know, like, as there is, there's a part of you. Cause like we have conversations, you know, not regularly, but like infrequently about things. And, you know, I'm trying to set them up with a, um, a group that I work with out here in Philadelphia. Uh, it's a Holocaust awareness um, group uh, museum. And he want, they want to have him there as like an honorary uh, attendee and like a celebrity and honor him, you know, with his contributions to, to Jewish culture. And he's like, yeah. absolutely, I would totally be down for that. And it's like, it's just, it's crazy. Like, it's just, it's, it's, it's fascinating where my life has taken me and the avenues that I've gone. And, and I just, yeah. I, feel, I feel really lucky all the time. But um, so tell me a little bit more about Culture Pop too, because I'm really interested to talk and kind of dive into that a little bit. You guys are, we have, what, yeah. what, just explain, explain to me like I'm five. How does, what, what's Culture Pop? So long story short, I wanted, so Culture Pop started out as an Etsy shop. That's it. An Etsy shop with designs of things that you remember from pop culture, right? Shirts, mugs, shit like that. And I was kind of getting a little tired. I knew that I wanted it to be something bigger from the time I started it two years ago. And I, I, I found that like a year and a half ago, I was getting really tired of reading speculative articles in pop culture. Um, like I just saw one this morning, Vince McMahon will give the dub will sell, will, will give the reins of WWE to triple H, not his kids. And it's click the article. And that was the headline. And then it says, says JR legendary commentator from the WWE in the article. And I hate that. Right. I hate clickbait. I hate rumor mill shit. I like reading stuff that's confirmed. So I knew that I already had a brand for pop culture. And my goal was, I'm telling you, well over a year ago, I sent a friend of mine who's now part of the team uh, a call and some text about how I wanted to grow Culture Pop into a multimedia and news site. And that's it. I wanted it to be a place where whether you like video games, whether you like comic books, collectible toys, movies, television, whatever you nerd out about, I wanted you to have a home there. So 
what we did was I launched a larger news site on June 1st. And in the first month that we were out, we had just about 20,000 hits to the site, which is amazing. Wow. And I think because it came from honest reporting and diversified content where any article that we put out isn't guess who might be Robble Robble. And I'll admit I did something like that earlier this week because I found an Easter egg in the WandaVision trailer of a bottle of wine that gives an idea to house of M. And I was like, is this giving us a clue? Not, they're giving us a clue this is happening type stuff. I want it to be honest whatever way it is. And I've got a, you know, a great team and I'm just trying to keep all of the ego out of pop culture news reporting, all of the smear campaigns, no negativity and all honesty into it. And it's working so far. So that's the best way to put it. You know, the YouTube channel has stalled a little bit just because of everything going on in the world, but we've been able to crank out the news articles and I'm excited for where it hopefully could go. Hopefully once, you know, conventions start coming back and everything like that, you'll see us covering them. You'll see us, you know, with a booth at conventions, you'll see us with a regular YouTube channel uh, out there providing content. I have the ultimate plans to do, what will end up being a kind of solo version of my previous YouTube channel um, where I'm going out and I'm hunting and I'm looking and I'm interviewing people at stores, collectors and things like that. The only reason I took a back seat was because comic shops were closed down for a very long time. My very favorite comic book and toy shop on the planet, just down the street from where I live was electrocuted and they almost burned up in smoke. Their whole electrical system went up in flames and I'm expecting a child. So going out and traveling all over the place with my, you know, with my future wife who also works at a hospital, I don't want to, you know, take any risk. So right, right. going well, sense. we're trying to keep up with things, but also life has been happening. So the, 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 the slogan for culture pop is fly your flag. What's your nerd flag? Do you like wrestling? Do you like comics? Do you like movies? Whatever you like, board games, card games, you'll have a place to go. It's just the full rollout of it has been a little bit slower than originally anticipated just because COVID just got so much worse than we originally thought. That's one thing I really do like about, cause I've, I've been, I follow the page and I've been following reading your articles. And that's really one thing that bothers me as, as a fan of everything, right? Like I love pro wrestling, love ghostbusters, love back to the future, all mm-hmm. the sci-fi stuff. I, there's so much conjecture and there's so much like, for lack of a better word, bullshit. When I read this stuff with the clickbait in it, it's hard for me to find something that's actually happening. Right. Like, you know, I I don't want to keep going back to the wrestling thing, but like a lot of the Dave Meltzer stuff and the, and the Brian Alvarez shit of the world. It's just like, Oh, well this person may have this. And this person's like, well, what the fuck am I wasting my time reading this for? So I think that's one thing I really do like about, about culture pop is, is that it's, it's authentic and it's, it's not giving you, it's not feeding you shit. Right. It's just like, here's what's happening. Is this happening? Maybe we'll see. Right. And I really did get about your site. Yeah. And that's why the people that I hired and I ha- we have a team of about five or six people right now. I don't care if they had writing experience. You can teach writing experience. What I cared about was that they had passion and that they were excited about what they love. And not everyone on the culture pop team is a massive pop culture aficionado. I got people who are more just sci-fi. I got people who are more just music and theater and movies, but it's like, we don't want speculative stuff. You know, like I even put on the the article that I wrote, theory, is WandaVision trailer Easter egg giving us a major clue to the MCU future? Or final season of Schitt's Creek coming to Netflix this fall? Or Xbox announces purchase of Bethesda and Parent? Like, I don't want all this like, ooh, there's a possible hot scooping story. Can we get it out there with a link? I'd rather have less views and uh, get more people to actually read it and have fun with it than anything else. I think our right. best performing article so far was the, the drop of the very first 
uh, Bill and Ted three yeah. trailer because I think that I think that it was like the first one to really hit, um, and then after that was the Kevin Smith bringing movies to pop up shop or whatever, um, you know. So it's like it's it comes in the honesty and the legitimacy of the reporting and having fun. You know, and having fun article titles that grab people's attention and trying not to use the same thumbnails that everybody uses. And I, th- I think it's worked for us so far. Now, now, one thing I do love too, and I know, I know we got to wrap up, but one thing that I do love is finding stuff on Instagram because I see you share stuff on your stories all the time about like action figures and pickups that you have. And you have a pretty, like, I thought my collection of stuff was amazing, but like yours is next level. Like you, I sent you, which I didn't realize I have one of the old Egon, like real Ghostbusters action figures that I used to play with as a kid. It's just a figure, but I'm now I'm not sure if it's a Kenner or if it's a Hasbro. And I had no idea that there was a difference, a difference in the line. Like I didn't know that it had transitioned from one and that one was more expensive than the other. But like, what would you say is like the largest segment of your collected items? Like what, what, what would you say is like the most that you have of one specific comic item? books? Yeah. I have probably in the area of four to maybe 5,000 comics. Wow. Holy shit. And now what's, um, what was, what was, what would you say is your, like your, your, your top, like the top tier of, of, of what you, you have in that, in that stack value or sentimental value. Both. You tell me both value financial value. I have a graded 9.0 Hulk 181 first full appearance of Wolverine. And then the most uh, sentimental value book I have is a graded 9.8 issue of X-Men 300, which is barely worth the money that it cost to grade it, but it was the first comic book I ever owned. And nice. it's what got me into comics when I, was in this, when I was a sports card and action figure kid. When I was like nine years old, I walked into my local baseball card shop and I saw this like shining, glimmering book with these characters that I watched the cartoon on Saturday mornings, X-Men, the animated series. I had no idea what the fuck a comic book was. And that just sent me down the spiral. As far as like sets of it, I have incredibly valuable toys, whether it be Hasbro, Kenner, Playmates, basically from pretty much from the start of the original Ghostbusters line all the way until the end of Toy Biz X-Men from like the early 90s. I will pretty much collect everything I can get my hands on. Doesn't wow. matter how obscure, how worthless. The Shadow, Dick Tracy, American Gladiators. Yep. Yeah. Uh, man. Oh man, America! I forgot about the American Gladiator tours. I had all that shit when I was a kid. I oh bought God. the entire set of those mint on card and mint inbox from Zombie Sailor Toys a couple years ago, and they've been sitting in storage, never taken out of the box. He shipped them to me in wow. because a large majority of my stuff has been in storage for three years. My collection is disgusting. And the purpose of this new house is I'm actually trying to build an entire section of the house that will be designated only for my toys and comics. That's awesome, man. Eventually, it's, but it's disgusting. It's absolutely disgusting <laughs> the size of my collection. It's a problem. My whole Back to the Future collection is right here on the other side of my desk, and I've run out of space on all my shelves. Like that's am- I'd love it though. That's the thing. It's it makes me like I just recently started to. I have a whole box of Hasbro's in my closet. The Hasbro WWF figures and like mm-hmm. the new retro reboots. I have a bunch of Mattel ones. And my brother actually, because I was a big Dick Tracy fan was when I was a kid. He got me basically the entire set mint on card of the Dick Tracys, with the exception of Blank Face. And I remember looking at the box. I'm like, well, where the hell's like? Where's this one? Like, what's this? And he was like, oh, dude, that one's like 
10 or $11,000 if you're going to get a mint on card. And again, it's like, what do you think, like for guys like us, like what do you think it is about these, these collectibles and these toys? Like what do you think makes us like, what what causes that reaction in our brain? Because I've always tried to figure it out. Because like as soon as I get my hands on a new toy, like right, like I was after the Cactus Jack that they had, like the original. I don't know if it was a Legend series in Mattel, but it was like different than the new Mick Foley that came out with the weird, like kind of sucked in face. Like yeah. his face was great, and it was like that that one. And I bought it, and it was just like this. Uh, yeah, it was like this like endorphin rush almost. You know, I was like, I got my hands on it. Like, what do yeah. you think it is for for guys like us? It's the release of serotonin caused by something by a, by it's the release of serotonin that is brought on by a surge of nostalgic happiness. It is a physical manifestation of a positive memory. And that's just not me speculating. It's scientific fact. It is the release of the good vibes, whatever you want to call them, good feels that happens when you see something that brings on a positive memory. And that's why I collect what I do is because for me, it is a manifestation of life at a simpler time uh, when the world wasn't as scary as it is now. And it brings back fond memories for me. So I collect for, I don't collect for reselling. I literally sell nothing that I buy. I hate selling. I don't ever want to sell. I don't even know if I'm going to give these toys to my kid when he gets here. He sure as shit is not allowed to touch them till he's 18. <laughs> He'll get his own. I have mine, but right. they're for me and they're for posterity and nothing else because I love the idea of being able to, when life gets tough, when life gets scary, you kind of harken back to a day when things were much more enjoyable than they can be now as an adult. So this is my, uh, this is my newest win right here. I don't know if you got one of these bad boys yet, but I won this. Shout out to Botch Club, by the way. Botch Club on Instagram. Go ahead and give them the follow. I spent five bucks and a raffle and won this son of a bitch. So anytime you want to, anytime you want to challenge, man, I'm down. Yeah. I'll we'll right. make this make this the fat. We'll get plates for it. Foundation radio wise. How uh, great Paul, would it be if I just jumped out of fucking frame and then I was in there <laughs> with a steel chair? Just a drop kick right in the side yeah. of the head. Yep. Yeah. Paul, thank you so much for stopping by on the show, man. I really appreciate it, man. And I'll uh, I'll link everything for Culture Pop in the in the notes. And and please let me know so I can share it with the 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 listeners and the, and the friends of the show about the the Kevin Smith stuff that you got coming up. I'm really excited to see all that. Absolutely, I appreciate, man. I appreciate I pre- the opportunity. Thank you, man. Hey, thank you, sir. Take care. All right. All right. So I lied. That was amazing to get to premiere something. I can't even front. Like I never get to do things like that. And especially being something as big as Kevin Smith, I would imagine that's exactly what Funkmaster Flex feels like. Thanks again to Paul Brown for stopping by the show. This will be the first of many times Paul comes by to hang out. And I'm really looking forward to catching up with him after this Kevin Smith project launches. Make sure you check out Culture Popped and the link is going to be in the show notes. And that leaves you with zero excuses. All you have to do is click on the screen. It literally takes you 10 fucking seconds. Go and do it right now. Got some merch coming down the pipeline as well. I'm going to be introducing something called the Purple Gang really soon, uh, which I'm really excited about. Uh, Looking forward to seeing you again next week. Thank you, as always, for joining me. My name is Adam Bernard, and I appreciate you stopping by this week on Foundation Radio. Peace. Radio is recorded and produced by Adam Barnard and Sam Kreps. Our intro and outro is produced by Dumb Ugly. 
Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at foundation underscore radio. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash foundationradiopod. This has been a Foundation Radio production. 